friends, it's Amy Stockstill here, your 2018 Declare Conference MC. And I'm so glad you found your little way to the Declare podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, Declare is a ministry where women who are writers, speakers, and podcasters gather. Our team is dedicated to equipping, growing, and connecting you guys as Christian communicators. We do that through our annual conference, online webinars, and local meetups. The conference is right around the corners, you guys. It's going to be in Dallas, Texas, October 4th through the 6th. And the theme this year is Warrior. If you've ever felt attacked, frustrated, or even discouraged when you're just trying to live out your calling, you're not going to want to miss this year's conference. We're also excited to announce our brand new pre-conference option. You guys, these are specialty sessions just for you that are going to go a little deeper. Check out our new website at wearedeclare.com. Everything you need to know is right there. Please grab your ticket today. I would love for you to come and find me and say hi at the conference. All right, I'm going to go ahead and work my MC magic and hand off this podcast to your host, Ann Watson. Really hope to see you in October. Hey, friends, isn't Amy so adorable? Come see her along with all of our amazing speakers and sponsors at the conference this October. There's a list on the website so you can see everybody that's going to be there and know you need to be there too. Also, don't forget to check out our online webinars, our local meetups, affiliate links, and pre-conference stuff. Spend some time around our website, make a day of it, and then sign up for everything. You will not be sorry. Today, I'm talking with Jenny B., the biz maven herself. Jenny's a single mom of four, a sole breadwinner, and she holds two master's degrees that she doesn't use. She spends her time coaching people like you and me, and today's episode is gold. Grab a notebook or open a Word doc. You're going to want to take notes. As communicators, we all know how important reviews are for getting the word out. So before we get started, I just want to give a nice warm thank you to The Warrior She for her recent review of our podcast on iTunes. She says, I've started a new addiction. It's the Declare podcast. It's always full of great content, an encouraging word, and inspiring women of God. And who wouldn't want to chat with the host, Ann Watson? She's so uplifting and engaging. I kind of want to be your best friend. She says the nicest things and is such a great listener. Girl, thanks for that. You totally made my day. And of course, I want to hear more from everybody who's listening in. So if you would take a second to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave your review, that'd be amazing. And plus, I would love to highlight your thoughts on an upcoming episode. So if you're listening, go ahead and screenshot how you're listening, you know, on your phone or in your car while you're stopped, of course, not while you're driving, and then post it. Tag at WeAreDeclare and hashtag DeclarePodcast and let me know that you're joining in. You never know if you're going to see your screenshot on our story. Y'all, our sponsors are so important to us. In so many ways, they make what we do for you possible. Today, I want to thank Sudara. Sudara believes that each of us can use our God-given gifts to change the world. So what they do is they employ and train women in India who are at high risk or survivors of sex trafficking. When you purchase Sudara's beautiful clothing, you're helping even more women create a safer, better future for themselves and their kids. You can join in this movement by visiting sudara.org. And when you use the offer code DECLARE, you'll get 15% off your purchase. In our last episode, I talked with dynamic duo Anna LeBaron and Leslie Wilson. Leslie is an editor and a ghostwriter that Anna used while she was writing her book, The Polygamous Daughter. And her influence was so great that Anna put her name on the cover of the book. 
They share so much wisdom about working with an editor, memoirs, and how to tell your story well, including when to change the names to protect the guilty. That's our 82nd episode, so make sure you add that to your queue. But today, we're on episode 83 with Jenny B. of Biz Mavens. Friends, this episode blew my mind. You'll be able to tell. First of all, Jenny's like your best friend. She's the best friend who has everything figured out and the secret to having an online business or blog, and she's sharing everything that she knows. Plus, she's so much fun. We talk about making money, the goal of your website, and who your super fan is, and so much more. I can't wait for you to hear from our conversation. So let's just go ahead and get started with Jenny, the biz maven herself. Hey, Jenny, welcome to the Declare podcast. I am like ridiculously excited that you're here today because <laughs> I subscribe to your newsletter and I know about all of your genius wisdom and I can't wait for our listeners to hear about it. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome. Thank you, Anne. It's a delight to be here. Good, good. Well, you know, why don't we go ahead and get started? Like, I know that you are the biz maven and I want to hear about that, but why don't we just start with a little bit about who you are and you know, your story and maybe how you got into this. Sure. So I was the quintessential career woman. I went all the way through school and then through high school and then through master's degree programs. And I was in a PhD program. And I just, I don't know why, but I always just assumed that because I was smart um, and because I was a hardworking person, I was going to be the breadwinner for my family. So it's not that I was attracted to some kind of corporate lifestyle. I just, I have this insatiable curiosity and I always wanted to learn and know more. And of course, this is the days before the internet, which I guess makes me a dinosaur. Huh. But <laughs> what does that make me? Never mind. Don't answer that. Keep going. A very nice looking dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> but still a dinosaur. Okay. Takes one to know one, right? <laughs> but this, so this was the days when, you know, you figure if I'm going to have a career that's fulfilling to me and rewarding, where I'm always going to be learning, then it's going to have something to do with academia. Like I need an advanced degree to be able to do this. And at the same time, I don't know that I'd ever really had, you know, this desire to have a family. You know, every girl has these romantic dreams of, oh, Prince Charming and, um, I'm sure it was somewhere down the line for me, but I found myself in the second year of a PhD program in, at the University of Chicago. I went to a talk that was by a panel of women professors, and it was all about women in academia. It was, you know, the problems that women encounter and how it's all an uphill battle. And this was just a very honest look at, you know, here's what your career future looks like, ladies. And the the wisdom that I gleaned from that panel discussion was that basically I had two years to have children, like all the children I ever wanted to have. And that just was between cram them in there, just jam them in as fast as you can. Yeah. Uh, but don't love them too much because you got to ship them off because you got to get back to work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Society's messaging. Love it. I know. So. <laughs> The time it turns out that you're supposed to have children is between when you finish your coursework and then when you write your dissertation. So when you're ABD, all but dissertation, that is when you're supposed this critical window for having children. And part of it's because, you know, once that dissertation's written, they want you productive and they want you turning out research for the university you work for. And I had this moment of sitting and just saying, you know what, I don't think that's what I want to do anymore. 
because one year from then I would have completed all of my PhD studies in linguistics. And that was when the dissertation work started. And I was looking around like I'm 25 years old. Like that's not really the life that I had dreamed about. I love traveling. Um, I had been spending in the last couple of years teaching English at a uh, an English education center part-time for immigrants. I had been working in a second grade classroom, working with kids on the south side of Chicago. And I found that the most meaningful work of my life, as I'm you know sitting here taking inventory, was with kids. And it was actually working with and teaching kids. So I- What a switch. Okay. <laughs> it Didn't see it coming. Huge- It wasn't a huge switch for me personally, but I think it's because I've lived this crazy, you know, fun life up to that point. Anyway, things happen a little, they change a little after you have children. But at that point, I was like, I just want the next adventure. I just want to do something that I love to do. And who cares what, how much money it makes? I'm just going to go do it. So I joined Teach for America, which is like domestic Peace Corps. And I taught on the Navajo reservation. I taught a third grade classroom full of really awesome kids and just found so much meaning in the work that I was doing. And of course, you know, $30,000 a year at that point for a teacher's salary. um, Everybody's now like, well, you can't, you can't raise a family on that. That was more money than I'd ever seen in my entire life anyway. And I was getting paid to do something that I really, really loved. So I, on a whim, Well, there were many whims that coincided here. I married the guy I'd been dating for two years, long distance. I packed up, quit my PhD program and moved to New Mexico and started teaching. Well, I had this this incredible year with these children. And I knew that I really, really loved seeing this transformation happen in their lives. But then, surprise, surprise, it was a little less than a year after I was married that lo and behold, here's a baby. (laughs) And my son, Sam, was born and I fell in love. Absolutely. I think I had always intended to go back to teaching or just being engaged with kids or something. But the moment I held that baby in my arms, it was like my heart grew a whole new chamber. Right. And suddenly my career ambitions, you know, all the the ways I had applied myself and my degrees, they just melted into the background. And I, I looked at my then husband, which we may end up talking about later, but I looked at him. I was like, you know what? I don't want to go back to work anymore. I want to teach him. I want to have fun with him. And so I started figuring out that, you know, one person's salary in that area was definitely not going to carry a family. And so I received an edict. Jenny, you have to make at least $300 a month to make this budget work. And so I strapped on my big girl pants and I said, okay, I don't know anything about it, but I'm going to figure it out. And so I went back to some old skills of typing. I'm like an insanely fast typist, which is, I mean, it's not super remarkable. We're all work online now. So we have to type reasonably fast. I was a really fast typist. So I started a medical transcription business. And that is how I got into, that's how I transitioned kind of from, you know, period one of my life, BC in the days before children into that is when the ball started rolling to get me into my current trajectory. Okay. And, you know, I'm sure that there's a whole lot more story in there, but fast forward (laughs) to now, and you are the CEO of your own business and you coach and you have figured it out. You've kind of, I mean, you said a minute ago, you hadn't figured it out. 
you've figured something out now and you like to share that with women. So when did that transition happen? Like when did you morph into this and where did the name Bizmaven come from? So when I first got into the online world, this is probably about 10 years ago, nine years ago. And when I came on the scene, it, like you said, there's there's a lot of transition points between there, but I was learning how to build a website for my medical transcription business. And at the same time, I was working with these doctors on their websites because frankly, you know, that whole web design industry really leeches on, you know, dentists and doctors, the people who are my clientele. So I said, hey, I will take some of this work off of you and I will go out and help you find a web designer that, you know, is not gonna charge you $20,000 for a website just because you're a dentist. And at the same time, I was learning lessons in my own business about SEO. So a lot of the services I was providing for my clients at that time were SEO, helping them get found. And then also I was learning how to write marketing copy. So helping convince their patients to choose them. And so all of these lessons started rolling into each other until I started offering services, doing the design myself. I was like, if somebody else can charge $10,000 for this website. And frankly, there's not a lot to it. I can do that. And so <laughs> I love it was, the can do attitude. Well, you know, it's, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Sometimes it'll, it'll get you places you don't necessarily know your way out of. But all of these lessons came in really, really helpful when I started working with bloggers. So I decided that I did not love working with dentists or doctors, but I did love working with bloggers. I was following a couple of blogs back, you know, from like 2004, 2005. We're talking old ones like Soul Mama and just there were, there were a handful of blogs that I'd been following. And every time I would open up my blog feed, you know, back in the blog feed days, right, right. <laughs> I realized that there were so many opportunities these women were missing. And I mean, straight up stuff that to me at that time was really simple. Like they weren't even really getting people to subscribe in a meaningful way. And part of it was the, the environment of the time where everybody who was online instantly became a celebrity. And I don't know if you've ever read the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. but it oh, talks We about, have it. My husband's read it. He loves it. It's a good read because it talks about how at different points in history or at the, at the development of certain technologies, there was like a, an optimal window to get in where you almost couldn't fail. Right. But instead of the way everybody reads that is, ooh, let me just take a look at what these seasoned bloggers are doing and let me do everything just like they're doing. Well, you know what? They started when you couldn't fail. And so they didn't necessarily, there was a lot of trial and error, but I mean, straight up bad tactics still allowed people to thrive as bloggers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were being lemmings at that point. Well, right. And it was it was a really cool period in the evolution of online business where it was all experimentation and you just got to do the fun things. And, you know, when Facebook first came out, it was get a Facebook page and you can talk to everybody. So that's what everybody did. Right. But you leveraged that. You looked at that and you're like, hmm, opportunity. Well, I did. And I think when I entered, because I, I went straight from, I was doing web design, but not just like, here, let's make a pretty logo and let's pick you some, you know, a handful of lovely colors that go well together. I had already focused on my experience as an SEO and trying to get people to take action. So conversion design. 
the goal of a website that I would build was trying to get people to take the desired action. So if I was working with a blogger, we would say, okay, what's the number one goal of not just this one page, but of your whole site? And there was a lot of on the ground training for them as my clients, because they were learning business strategy and marketing strategy when really all they signed up for was a logo and colors, right? Right. But I found that when their blogs would go live, when the new design would come live, I would be getting emails back and saying, Jenny, you're never going to believe this. And I get a screenshot of their analytics and their, their traffic would instantly triple if it was a site that we were working on the traffic for. And it was, it was all just strategic stuff. Mm-hmm. So I determined that I really loved working with bloggers. And even though there's a lot more profitable places to do design, you know, in industry or in tech, or there's a lot of other places that I could have served and, and probably had an easier go of it. But I love working with bloggers because they're really connected with their audiences. They usually have a purpose and a passion. They're already digging deep to share stuff from within themselves. And then there's the other side of things, which was I had inadvertently become a stay-at-home mom. I had a good education. I've got, you know, degrees. But there were all these women trying to blog because they really wanted to stay home with their kids. And if there's any purpose that I can get behind and get excited about, it's helping moms quality to give back to their families. So I decided I was just going to go whole hog for the blogging market. And I, I hung out a shingle as the blog maven, which in other circles, like in business circles, when I run with, you know, WordPress friends or marketing people, they kind of look down their nose on me because I don't want to shock you here, Anne, but bloggers are not taken 100% seriously from the business world. What? That's not even possible. It's a thing. I believe Um, you. (laughs) I do. I believe you. I, you know, I feel like there is almost like a little bit of a stigma attached to it which doesn't help women find courage when they need it to make it a full-time business. So yeah, I get it. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And then the fact also that blogging, I I don't know if, if I should drop too many bombs on you here, but blogging is a great way to connect and it is a great way to build a following, but blogging is not a business, right? Blogging is a traffic source. It's one of many, many different possible traffic sources to get people into the underlying business. And so this is how you can have people. I've had people come through my programs who've been blogging for nine, 10 years and who really make very, very little money, even though they've done everything, you know, people say you should do. Right. And they're sitting here beating their head against the wall about, you know, why? Why isn't this working? Everybody says it should work. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I'm raising my hand over here. Yeah, me. Yeah. Especially because it seems like it ought to be intuitive. And I have an education just like you. I have a marketing education. Yeah. And I still find it challenging. Well, when you when you realize that the blog itself, it's it's simply a means to an end, but it's not the end. Right. So I don't know how far, how deep down this rabbit hole you want to go. No, let's not go too deep. Let's stay with how did you go from the blog maven to the biz maven? Okay. So I had been doing design work for several years. And right about the time that I was expecting my fourth baby, I realized that I was absolutely working myself to death. And I was up late nights. And, you know, this is not, I wasn't 
exhausted blogging. I was exhausted designing and I was making really fantastic money. Like I had a six figure design business, but it was still, I was homeschooling my kids and I was pretty much a solo parent most of the time. And I was also running this business. You know, I went several years. I went probably three years before Naomi, my youngest, was born, sleeping four to four and a half hours a night. And it was just because I had to, I was responsible for my family's income. And I had to stay on these production schedules to get people's projects out the door. And I was always chained to somebody else's timeline. And I realized I'd been building up my consulting and coaching at the same time. And it was just a perfect opportunity for me to say, you know what, if I want to be able to show up every day as a good mom who's not losing her mind, I need to stop doing huge scale projects and settle into this thing, which I really love, which is the business coaching and consulting side of things. Was that scary for you at all at any point? Did you kind of think maybe I shouldn't? That's a good question. Um, I don't know if I've considered it. I don't know if if the car I drive has a rear view mirror. Wow. I just look ahead and I say, where are the opportunities and where do I need to pivot next? I love that. Well, for me, it was what was already happening wasn't working. I'd already decided on that. And so I wasn't, I didn't fall in love with a thing that wasn't giving me everything I needed. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I could make plenty of money with this design business. And it was amazing because it taught me all kinds of lessons about pricing and positioning and writing sales pages and, you know, copywriting, all these skills I had picked up along the way. But at a certain point, I think you just have to stand, like you draw your line in the sand and you say, I am who I am. And the, the past experiences have given me strengths, but I'm not going to look back behind wishing I had done something differently. I'm going to say, okay, what do I have now? What are these raw materials? And how can I move forward and not just get a couple of the things I need, but all the things I need? Okay. So I'm loving this. I love this conversation. I love this bumper sticker quotable tweet thing that you just said that the car you drive does not have a (laughs) rear view mirror. I wrote that down. But you have all these raw resources and you wanted to morph to the consulting business. What did you do next? Like, what's the next step? So if there's somebody listening that's thinking they're ready to pivot, what do they do next? What do they do first? Well, I think it's to, you know, take an inventory of the things that you already bring to the table that are assets. For me, a lot of it was straight up, you know, skills in my head that I had built up over an amount of time. Like I can write sales emails like nobody's business. So I figured it may have something to do with that. Right. Right. I had been working with bloggers for years and working on strategy with them. So, you know, it's going to have to do something with that. I realized that a lot of the things that were out there that I could possibly pivot to, let's say trying to be one of these like seven figure course creators who, you know, has all this like Facebook ads out the wazoo and these enormous funnels. I was like, you know what? I wouldn't love it. And it would drain me instead of giving me more energy to give back to my kids. That would drain me. And then also, I love working with people so much. So I think that there's there's a certain point where you have to say, God's given me this personality and preferences. People wait around forever to find out, you know, laying out a fleece and determining what is God's will for my career. Well, he gave you a personality and he gave you things that you love and he gave you things that you're terrible at. And I don't think God calls us all to any one thing. And a lot of of trusting God in your journey, especially with your career, 
is to say, God's not going to ask me to do something that I hate. I think he has other people made for that because they love it. So there's a sense in which you just kind of take stock. Who am I? What is it that I love? What is it that I hate? And then looking around you, one of the resources that I had was I had built a following of people who just straight up word of mouth advertised for me. So the bloggers I had done design for from day one of putting out, you know, hanging out a shingle and starting blog design until I stopped I was never looking for clients because word of mouth, people were just sending them to me. So that's a big asset to have. um, And I'm really grateful for it. So when I was taking inventory, I said, these people that already love my work, these people that have already bought perhaps before into the things that I do, that's my opportunity. So how can I serve them in a deeper way that also makes sense for me and my family? Okay, so I love that. But my question is, you had started building this business, you know, at some point while you were still doing the design. And so you had a little bit of a foundation when you kind of did your pivot, you switched over. What about women right now who are bloggers? That's all they've been doing is blogging. And they want to start monetizing, they want to start making some money and turning that into an income that can be helpful for their family, or at minimum, pay for their blogging habits. (laughs) But they don't have a product that they're selling. What would you say? Absolutely. Well, so there's the short game and there's the long game. Sometimes you have to do things in your blog, in your online presence that will just make ends meet. So I used to have this really, this is with my bossy pants, (laughs) stand on against ads. But, you know, because there's a sense, you know, the designer in me hated them because they just clutter everything up and everything's demanding attention and it distracts people from subscribing to your email list. So, you know, when you use ads, you are in a very practical sense, making money off of the people that just aren't that into you because they're clicking away. So I had makes sense. I had some big opinions about this for a long time. But I think part of being in my late 30s (laughs) is that I'm understanding a little bit more about, you know, where a blogger is personally really dictates what the different options are that they should look out for in the first place. So if you have the gift of traffic and you are, you know, doing a great number of page views per month, ads would be a very quick and very easy way for you to start making money. And I'm not going to knock that. If that is going to bring benefit to your kids and to your family and to you, it's the low hanging fruit, right? So it's easy, especially if you sign up with an ad network like AdThrive or, you know, there, there are several others. But if you sign up with an ad network, then that can be a great partnership and it can definitely help you make ends meet in the short game. Another thing that's really easy for people maybe who have who don't have their own product yet for the short game is working with sponsorships, writing sponsored posts, but also doing affiliate linking and picking products that absolutely align with the desires and goals of the women you write for. Now, this all kind of falls apart when if you start taking on a lot of sponsored posts for products that you don't believe in or that you're like, oh, I'd really be having to dig deep to make this sound appealing to my people just to make money. There's a point at which you start to, 
I mean, I've talked to women straight up. They're like, you know, what? I, I wasn't really liking myself anymore when I was doing that. But there is this happy medium of really taking into account who you're writing for, who are these women that show up on your blog every day or that are subscribed to your newsletter? What is it that they want? And if you use a sponsored post opportunity or if you use uh, affiliate partnerships to deliver that to your people, everybody wins. So that's a very easy way to do this short-term revenue thing that doesn't leave you feeling yucky and also can help build the trust of your readers as well. And then a third thing that I would say for this short game in making money online is considering the skills you already have as a blogger. And this is when I was talking about, you know, taking inventory of what are the skills you already have. Well, in the meantime, like if, if you want to create your own big full-blown course and market it, there's so many skills you need to learn as part of that. And so your return could be six months from now. It could be a year. It could be two years from now if you have a lot to learn in that area. But you know what you do know how to do? You know how to write a blog post. You know maybe how to do SEO research and SEOify your blog posts. You know how to create pinnable images. And guess what? There are people right now that need those things in their business. So you can very easily say, maybe this isn't my dream forever, but what if I set up shop as a VA and simply help people in a way that's going to make money for me and my family now, but then also help me get some more experience under my belt and make money while I'm learning how to do the other long game monetization strategies. Okay, but I'm sensing from you that this is not where you get the biggest bang for your buck. And is that where we talk about the long game? It is where we talk about the long game. Blogging has changed so much. I'll, I'll open it up. Not just blogging, online marketing, online business has changed so much, even just since I got started nine years ago. You know, the things that people were telling you to do nine years ago, you would be a fool to do them now. Yeah. And yet... That's a lot of the source of information for what people are learning at these blogging conferences and and just in the teach me how to blog thing. There's this whole environment online that my biz mavens uh, in my membership community refer to as selling the dream where, you know, somebody's going to teach you how to make money online. But when you look, when you break apart their income reports, maybe that they're publishing, you realize that the way they're making money is by teaching you how to make money. And they're making their money off of affiliate links to the web hosts. And, and then they just kind of dump you off in a dark alley. And, you know, good luck with that. <laughs> right. See you next Tuesday. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so here, make a million dollars and have fun. Have right. Fun oh, and I'll take a little piece of that, too. Thanks so much. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, it's it just is what it is. Yeah. And, and, and that's for women in business. We have this pull. We have, you know, we need to make money to cover our costs to help us justify the amount of time that we're spending doing what we really love to do online, you know, and to not, if, if you've ever sent your husband to bed alone, like more than two or three nights in a row, you know what I'm talking about? Right, that right. There, there creeps up this resentment. You're not making any money. And so it's not worth anything. But right. you over here are blogging your heart out and you're speaking with women and connecting with them. And you feel like you've got a great ministry platform. But if it's not helping your family, then it's hard, it's hard to sustain it. It just really is. So it is. with the long game in mind, 
we pivot from this idea of all I need is traffic. All I need is, you know, a list. All I need is these things which turn out to be tactics. They're just tiny little pieces of what would be a business, except that there's not a business underneath it. Okay. So the long game looks a lot more like find people to matter to. Find people that cannot wait to see what you're going to say. Find the people that you get these love notes from, you know, that are like, oh, I've been following you for this long and I read every single post you write. So you find this pocket of people that you can matter to and make a difference for. And then you say, okay, what is it that they really want by coming to my site in the first place? Now, a lot of people would just say, oh, they just want inspiration. They want to be inspired. Well, guess what? Pinterest is full of inspiration. You could do a lot of things. You can go take a walk in the woods and be inspired. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. There's some reason that this woman, and I, I like to call her your target super fan. There's some reason that she is showing up at your blog and reading what you write and reading your emails and clicking on the links to the things that you recommend. There's a reason. And generally, that reason is she wants some kind of transformation in her own life. So if you're blogging about, let's say, parenting, well, you have to stop thinking from the I'm just going to blog about parenting and I'm going to be and you have to look at this woman right now has some kind of before state and she's feeling frustrated in her parenting because what? Maybe she has a rebellious teenager that she just can't connect with anymore. Maybe she has littles and she's planning all of these like frou-frou ways to spend your day. No knock, young moms. Um, I've done it too, but you know, just trying we to all take have, we've all done it. Yeah, I know. And I'm, I'm like, oh, it's still six hours till bedtime. What am I going to do now? Um, <laughs> those, yeah. those days are long gone for me. So those two different groups of people, let's say your target super fan is probably not both. She's probably not a young mom who wants to find meaningful ways to do life with her little people. And also the woman who has teenagers and is working with rebellious attitudes. So we kind of say, where does my experience and the the path that I've walked so far make me best suited to talk? And you simply pick. And when you zoom in, I know you're... <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm like, you simply pick, except for it doesn't seem that simple. Like it seems like it should be that simple, but it's not that simple. It's not. So I mean, we look at when we're looking at this from a business perspective, we look for where your existing opportunities can the posts that are already getting a lot of traffic on your site. Can those give you some insights on, hey, what what is it that people are actually coming to see and where maybe are some things that I've been writing about that, frankly, nobody cares about. Those are the easiest things. It's a lot easier to say, what will I not focus on than choosing a direction for that? But To play the long game of business, we say, I have this tiny pocket of people that have a problem or a goal or a desire. That's like the after. That's where they want to be. But they come into you in the before state. And so when you're thinking about building a long-term profitable business, you say, I need to get to know these people in such an intimate way that I almost know them better than they know themselves. And then... I need to help lead them, show them that 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 after picture is possible and then help lead them through that till they can get that goal they've been going after. 
And this is where the other long-term monetization strategies come in. This is where maybe you are setting up coaching to help women one-on-one. They've got a before and you can help them get to an after. Or frankly, I don't really recommend that people start building courses just right off the top of their head. I think a certain amount of interaction and client work really helps hone your intuition. But if you want to build a course and the smaller the claim, the better, right? The smaller the, the change you're promising, the better because they believe they can do it too. So when you start offering courses or you start offering coaching and consulting, even putting together conferences for these people, these are all things that could help lead them to the transformation. But, you know, there's no easy answer here, but it, it takes this change of perspective. Instead of how am I showing up in my blog today, I say, who are these people? What do they need and how can I give it to them? I really love what you're saying. I'm tracking with it. I love how you say that God gave you this personality and preferences so you can figure out where your strengths are and what you just genuinely love doing. And then you take your experience and you think, what am I on the after side of that I can then give back to women who want to be where I am, that I can hold their hand and bring them with me through this process. And I think that that's such a beautiful thing. How do you make money with that? I think the first step comes with realizing that you need to make money in order to have greater reach. I have an example of a woman named Allison who came to me a couple years ago. I met her just through some friends and she she actually stayed at a guest house uh, here locally and I got to meet with her. And she has all of this wisdom and she studied theology and she's just super, super passionate about passing on this, you know, the love of theology to other women. But she realized she was running into issues of of mostly time. You know, it costs money to run a website. Yeah. It costs money to have an email list. Email lists aren't free. Mm-mm. And then you have all the time that you're taking away from your children. And you have to justify that somehow. Well, what this woman, I tried. This is one of those like, oh, I wish. I wish she'd had this light bulb go off. But what she didn't realize is she was thinking that if she was making money doing it, then that would mean, you know, she was trying to profit off the gospel or, you know, this very legalistic, like faith should be free and encouragement should be free. And so she had these kind of ethical issues she was wrestling with in within herself that would not allow her to make money with her ministry. But it wasn't six months after I talked to her that she closed up shop altogether. Ooh. And the po- the post that she left, like the RIP postmortem post, pretty much said, I need to focus on my family. And I realized that it just takes so much time in order to do this. And, I, and it was not it was pulling my heart away from my family. Well, the problem here is that's thousands of women whose lives she could have impacted that if she had started doing something that makes money, like let's say one-to-one coaching is the very easiest thing to set up, you know, where you can talk to people. People have questions. People, All people have questions about your content area. So probably the easiest thing she could have done is just offered one-to-one consulting, you know, charge $99 and at least you can cover your, your costs, right? Right. She had all kinds of things that she just wanted to give. This is back in the Periscope days when Periscope was a huge thing. But she was just For like, like a no, week. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. <laughs> Flavor of the moment. Right. Um, 
But and yet, if you'll notice, Anne, that was something that had the whole blogosphere up in arms. What are you doing about Periscope? I'm doing this about Periscope and announcing our big grandiose Periscope empire plans. Right. Womp, womp, womp. It's gone now. Right. But then other people came behind him and made it better in a different way. So, yes, yeah. OK, I don't want, we could get derailed. Keep yeah. going. What were you saying? Well, so when you when you make a money through your business, Coaching or consulting is definitely the easiest way to do, but, you know, selling your own products or selling mini courses or even better yet than just launching a course into the ethos and hoping it's going to do well, creating a program, maybe a three week program that will help people move from point A to point B where you can actually walk through it with them. You know, you can you can have your Facebook group or you can have whatever and just doing whatever it takes to make those people successful. When you start looking into avenues like that suddenly you can get a lot more reach because guess what? You just bought yourself. Maybe it's as simple as having a nanny, part-time nanny to come in and hang with your kids and clean your house while you're doing your work so that when you step out of, you know, and out from in front of the computer screen, you can give your kids yourself and not have to be folding laundry. At, at the very basic level, that's what we can give our families when we make money. But then it's not traffic is not free. Traffic takes your time or your money, either one. So let's say you you really have something you want people to see and you need to have a Facebook ad to do it. Well, that money, if you can boost a post and get it seen by 200,000 people, that money that you're making in your business allows you to do that. So either way, when you start having these exchanges with people that are based on some kind of a financial transaction for this transformation you're helping give them, not only do you create these these amazing bonds with the people who are now your customers, right? Because they love you, you've helped them. Uh, so you've got incredible word of mouth marketing, but then also it expands your ability to do the things that other bloggers won't try because they think it all has to be free. Whereas if you're right. simply willing to throw $25 behind a campaign, you can have a lot more reach. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you said something on your blog, I think, that the key to success is making other people successful. Absolutely. I mean, did that come to you in the middle of the night? Like, where did that come from? Because I think that that's genius. I think that's really an awesome way to put it. Do you know, this is something that bloggers would never hear. I don't know that I ever heard it from anybody specifically, but that really is the key to business. I mean, this is why people buy products that they buy. Why People who love Apple buy all the Apple products because it helps make them successful in whatever way they want to, here's a funny nuance, either be successful or be perceived as successful. It's the reason we buy certain kinds of food and not others. It's all of the purchases that people make are based on some kind of transformation. It might be a tiny little one or it might be a much bigger one. But the goal, the big thing, and I think this is probably my background in copywriting that's coming out here, but the goal is to help them understand what the transformation looks like. And you're not selling them on yourself. You're selling on them on themselves. Mm, you're so selling good. them. Yes, you're so right. On their future, who they can be, what they can do, how they will be showing up in their own lives. I am writing that down. That is so good. I could talk to you for hours and hours on end this way, partly because I have a marketing background myself, but also because I just feel like everything that you're saying makes so much sense. My question for you, though, is you said earlier that your car doesn't have a rearview mirror. 
which to me speaks of a certain level of confidence that just exists in you, which is a beautiful and wonderful thing. But I think for a lot of people, it's a little bit scary to do that. And then also there's a little bit of a, well, I'm an inspirational blogger or I'm a food blogger. I mean, who am I to add to my website content consulting or, you know, whatever that is? It looks like maybe they're not keeping the main thing, the main thing, and they could potentially be insecure about it. So how do we resolve that? So I think insecurity in your business or even even in your blog comes because you're not looking in the right place. Your focus is fixed on absolutely the wrong thing. So as Christians, we say, you know, you think about the whole story of of Jesus walking to the disciples on the water and the moment that Simon Peter like looks away from Jesus, he starts to sink down right. into the into the waves. And so, you know, we hear this it's almost cliche right now, which is disappointing, but this idea of we keep our eyes focused on the one who controls all of these things. I think that's where our self-worth has to come from. And, you know, if if you're struggling with that level of self-worth, then that that's something to take to God. But more often, and on a much more practical level, something you can actually do is when we are having insecurities, it's because we're looking at ourselves in the mirror. I don't know if you, Anne, have ever, I'm going to guess that you never look in the mirror and you don't like what you see. <laughs> uh, well, I can't even come with this, you know, snappy comeback to that because I feel like that's like all I do. <laughs> look and go, why? Why I can't know. I change this? So, like, I know. So we look, we look at the mirror and we see all of our own flaws and we see all of our own imperfections. And like, I'll tell you straight up, one of my eyes is a little bit larger than the other. One of my boobs is a little bit higher than the other. Like I've got things after having kids that are in different places than they were before that. So love it. You can spend all day long though, looking at yourself in the mirror. And this is, this is what in academia we just called navel gazing. Like I'm so intent on myself that I can't see what's outside there. And so we, we spend so much time in introspection that I think we lose sight of a greater vision for not just who we are, but what we have the potential to do. So instead of always looking at your own self and worried about what you could be doing or should be doing or not doing very well, listen, we all have stuff to work on. And there's this thing, it's a real thing called imposter syndrome. And it says that the more you know about the topic, the less of an expert you feel like. Because mm. when you get into any content area, you realize, oh my word, this is so big. This is huge. Maybe when you're a beginner, you're like, I'll get this. I got this totally conquered. I'm awesome at it. But the further you get in, the longer you've been having contact with your topic, the more you're like, wow, I need to learn this and that. And I need to learn the other things. But realize that's imposter syndrome. And that's what people at any level deal with all the time. Bloggers feel completely alone, like they're the only one making these mistakes or like somebody, everybody else must know something I don't know because it seems to work for everybody else. They don't know squat. I mean, in the grand pool of all the things there is to know about online business, like even the most advanced of us only can see the tip of that iceberg. So instead of looking at everybody else and comparing yourself and instead of looking in the mirror and feeling how inadequate you are, you have to look at the people behind you. You have to say, I'm at this point on my journey and all I need to do is turn around and look at the people I can help. You don't have to be an expert to help people. You just have to be one step ahead of the people you're helping. 
Ooh, that's so good. And you're so right. I think sometimes, especially as women, we overcomplicate it. You know, we're looking for like you have multiple degrees. So we would say, well, she knows what she's doing. She's studied. She's got certificates and stuff. You know, she paid big money to have this knowledge. And I'm just somebody who just figured this out yesterday. But I'll tell I will tell you one thing. My degrees are completely unrelated to anything I do now. In fact, I probably have. Thankfully, it was all scholarship. But I, I have like two hundred thousand dollars worth of brains in my head that are useless in what I do on a day to day basis. <laughs> OK, but what I want to take away from that is not necessarily that that was wasted time and money, but that you took your ability to learn and research and you applied it to something different. I think there's a ton of people out there that are not doing what their degrees said that they should be doing. I don't think they should feel guilty about that. I think they should embrace that and you know, just say, this was a season of my life when I learned how to learn. Yeah, absolutely. And and part of it is investing in yourself too, right? Absolutely. And to say, like, nobody comes to the table with all the knowledge and skills that it takes to do X. Nobody does. In fact, almost everybody starts out asking Dr. Google what to do about this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where I started, granted, I started about seven years ago learning email marketing, but my first questions were applications to Dr. Google. Dear Dr. Google, tell me everything you know about email marketing and spending, oh gosh, hundreds of hours reading and absorbing and trying and testing. So this level of confidence probably can also be addressed by saying, hey, we're all learners. And if that's the topic, the topic that you write about, or if it's just the skills that you need to bring to your business, you can't get overwhelmed because there's so much you need to know. You just have to pick one thing and say, I'm going to grow in this area and I'm going to apply as much of it as I can. And then I'll just see where that takes me. I love it. That's perfect. And it makes it so much more simple and more accessible, I think, for anybody listening who wants to do that. So you are actually going to be joining us at Declare, and you're doing two sessions. You're doing a pre-conference session, and you're going to be talking about monetization. And you're also doing a main session where you're going to talk about your unique brand and building your email list. And so I just want to put that out there because I want everybody to know they can learn more from you by coming to Declare. They can also go to your website. You have a free download when they sign up for emails and you are a very responsive coach. Like I know you're probably coaching in my mind anyway, hundreds of thousands of people. (laughs) And yet I feel like all of your emails are super personal. And so that's partly why I was so excited to talk with you today. Um, So I want people to go to that. But one of the things that we've been talking about a lot at Declare this year is the idea of being a warrior. Mm -hmm. You know, last year when we were planning our conference, they were just came a period when pretty much every single person on our team was under attack in some way, you know, physically or spiritually or whatever it was, or our families were under attack. And we were all just sort of exhausted and praying that it would end, but it wasn't ending. And we finally decided that, you know what, we need to remember that we're children of God and we have the power of Jesus in us and that we are warriors. And that's kind of where this theme came from. Mm -hmm. But we also recognize that not everybody is the same kind of warrior. You know, we have people who are warriors with scripture, people who are rest warriors, people who are great speakers that war that way. There's people who are prayer warriors, whatever that is. And so I'm asking everybody that's coming on the show, what does being a warrior mean to you? You know, I think, Anne, that 
there's definitely a war being waged against all of us as children of God. And it, it looks different for different people. And when you're going through hell, when you are going through some horrible, awful experience that you never thought you'd be part of, you never even dreamed that that would be the shoes that you're in right then. There is this sense that you are in the storm. You are in the storm and you are just hanging on for dear life. And all you can pray at that time is, Lord, help me get through this day. Help me get through these next five minutes right. where you know, suddenly you have no friends anymore. All of your, your social support is cut off. I've been through this myself. I went through a divorce two and a half years ago and I got out of, of an abusive marriage, which talk about struggle. Mm -hmm. A storm for sure. There is this sense in which, you know, God is the warrior. And I'm, I think about, you know, in the Old Testament, talking about people going out before the, the troops with praise and sometimes if all you can do is say, thank you, Lord, that you are with me, then that's what it takes to do battle on that day. But I don't think that just coming through a battle makes you a warrior, because in my experience, it's it's been God who's a warrior on my behalf. Mm. And all I'm left with is gratitude that, you know, Lord, this this was not me. This was not my goodness or my skill or even my perseverance that got me through. You kind of drug me through it, Lord. And thank you. Thanks that you got me through. But the point where you become a warrior is where you decide that you're not just going to have been through the war, but you're going to go back to it. Mm. And returning to the field of battle to help other people who don't have the strength. Because when, when God takes us through battles, he builds our strength and our faith in specific areas. And there are people that are going through that same struggle right now that are weak and they do not have the tools and just the basic skills to get through it. They've got God, of course. But when you return to the field of battle and suddenly start engaging with people where you are strong now because you came through the same thing and you can help them in their weakness, to me, that's what makes somebody who is a warrior. That is so powerful. So incredible. Returning to the field of battle where you were. I love it. And I love that that idea of God is the ultimate warrior, but there's a piece of scripture, and I can't remember the verse that says, you know, something along the lines of be careful who you're with. You never know when you're entertaining angels. Yes. And maybe us having gone through these battles, returning to those battlefields to help others, maybe that's God sending in his angel army. Maybe that's the warriors. I Absolutely. love that. Oh, you're rocking my world. I love it. <laughs> like I said, I could talk to you all day. I'm probably going to monopolize you at the conference in October. So just everybody else needs to clear a path. But <laughs> I will be there. I am so excited about Declare, honestly. And I am going not just because I'm a speaker. I'm going just because I'm I'm so excited to get to meet all these women who are actively engaged in doing God's work online, in their homes, in their families. I love meeting people and conferences. I mean, I'm sure the sessions are going to be awesome, but the very best thing that I get out of conferences is talking to people. And I'm thrilled that you guys have given me the opportunity to be able to do that just as an attendee. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're going to love it. We're so excited. We're, we just feel so blessed by our all of our speakers and especially you today right now. I can't wait to learn more from you. I can't wait to get to know you more. I can't wait to see you at Declare. And I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your obviously very busy schedule to just come and encourage us. I mean, what a gift. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anne. I'm cheering you guys on. 
I can't thank Jenny enough for that. I may have to have her on a couple more times just to get all the rest of that goodness that she has. But if you want to hear more from Jenny sooner rather than later or any of our other guests, let me know. Mention your favorites when you leave a review for the podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You'll also hear more from Jenny at the Declare Conference this October. She's doing two sessions, including a 90-minute lab-style one in the pre-conference. So go to wearedeclare.com and get your ticket now. While you're there, check out all the other speakers in the sessions. I've got all the links to everything that we mentioned on the show today in the show notes. Another huge thank you to Sadar, our sponsor. Don't forget to use the offer code DECLARE for 15% off your purchase when you visit their website. Well, we always hope that every episode of the Declare podcast has inspired and encouraged you. Thank you so much for always listening. We'll see you next time on the Declare podcast.